Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tastings Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. I'm Bull Hagen. This is Vicar. Welcome to the show. Peter's here. Hey, Pete. Hey, Pete. So we have actually more than just me today. Phew. <laughs> Poor Bullhagen has been anybody who will listen that has listened to last week's episode. You think it was okay? I think it was, was all that right. too weird. Was that too weird? <laughs> of course, our listeners they listen, but they usually say nothing. So I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, this time you had like a studio audience. I thought. Yeah, Jake <laughs> or Kevin. His name was Kevin, wasn't it? Yeah, his his name was Kevin, but I called him Jake because he was yeah yeah he was insurance. <laughs> And by the way, he didn't actually exist. Well, yeah, still theater, theater of the imagination. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did write the 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 routine, uh, like in an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> but, <laughs> anyways, so uh, what what do you have to drink? You have anything to drink there, Pete? Um, I've got water, and I'm heavily considering pulling out my makers. Hmm. Yeah, I'll take a swig. Why not? <laughs> I uh, I forgot to uh, grab myself a beverage. Oh, so uh, let's so, see. I guess I could try to talk about mine the entire time you were gone until you get back. Well, uh, f- talk about uh, for a brief minute, so I don't have to listen to it. What game you've been playing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have been playing Car Mechanic Simulator 2018. And there is a 2021 edition of Car Mechanic Simulator, but I haven't been playing the new one because I am a patient gamer and I tend to buy a version ago so that I can save money on the when it comes on sale. It's usually the old one that goes on sale, so that's what I play. And I've gone to the, the workshop where creators can make their own cars that I can have in my virtual garage and repair. So I've got tons of BMWs and Audis and... Toyotas and Land Rovers and Jaguars and Mustangs and I've have hundreds of cars that that uh, you know the fans of the game have made and I've downloaded them onto my computer so I can pretend to fix them. So that's what I've been playing lately. Car Mechanic Simulator 2018. <clears throat> For those of you still listening, thank you. You're the true fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you get them off the? Was it Steam Workshop? Yeah, the Steam Workshop. Mods? Yeah, there's hundreds of cars that people have created for the game. Some of them are kind of supercars, like Bugattis, you know, and I don't know Paganis, all those Italian sports cars that Alfa Romeos, um, and they're fun. You, you go to the junkyard in the game and you find some rust bucket that's you know barely, barely recognizable, and you bring it back to your garage and you start tearing it down and rebuilding it. I don't know. I like it for whatever reason. I guess it. I mean, I really did a few things like that in real life as a kid. You know, nothing is cool as an Italian sports car, but, you know, I got to work on, like, a 1983 Buick one time, for example. They don't have those in the game, though, sadly enough. Yeah, I've been kind of keeping an eye out for a new car myself. Okay. I'm, uh, the the Caddy's great. Getting a little rust on it. Uh Getting a little aged. It's probably going to need the suspension replaced with something that isn't the air suspension, because you know how that works. Hmm. Are those, I can't remember, is your car like more than 10 years old, less than 20, like that? Yeah, 2008. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You want them to last longer than that, but sometimes they don't. 
It's not it's not dead, right? I can get a decent amount out for it. I could probably get five or six K for it still. Oh, okay. Which is pretty decent because I I think I paid eight for it. Yeah, that's it. That and I've good. added sixty K to it, and that's just the way the the market has gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there so. was kind of this glorious moment where if you timed it right, you could have sold your used car for almost more than you paid for it when the market went kind of oh yeah wonky during the during the pandemic. So if anybody in the listening uh, that's got a car that they're willing to part with, <laughs> uh, I want something pretty zippy. I, my dad likes his Lexus. I used to have an old an old uh, Lexus ES mm. back in the day. I liked that car until I crashed it. Oof. Uh, let me let me know. I'm 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 keeping an eye out. Right on. All right, am I back? I'm back. Is, oh. there, is there any any audience left? Anybody <laughs> still here? <laughs> Hello. I've already given them the uh, the thank you very much for continuing right. to listen. You're the yep. true fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all both of them that stayed right. through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, give them some uh, real talk music. That'll help them. We'll... <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that does not deserve real talk. <laughs> I mean, it was a game. It's kind of virtual talk. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, we should make a virtual pastor. Uh... Mm. Like a personality that right. guessed or something? Well, it's it's a it's a computer game where you're a pastor <laughs> and you could do everything right and still wow. lose. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a, it was like, remember the old lemonade stand? Like anybody probably under 50 may not remember the game lemonade stand. Oh, the computer game. Yes. Oh, that is ancient. Yeah, it's a that was on the Apple on memory. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Anybody? Anybody? Peter? <laughs> He's no way Peter knows about that game. <laughs> I was an Oregon Trail guy myself. There so. you go. That's pretty old school. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. What you bring back with you, Bullhagen? What'd you get to drink? I, I have a a Bella V Bold. It's a, a sparkling water, but mm. from Aldi. It is uh, cherry lime sparkling water. Is it oh. as good as the Red Bull? Uh, as good as the Red Bull? Mm-hmm. No, it's all right. It's it's late. I can't have caffeine. Right. Oh, okay, okay. And Sorry. for what it's worth, I have a diet squirt, you know, grapefruit-flavored diet. Soft yeah, drink. but what are you drinking? Uh... <laughs> Man, Papa's gotten expensive. I don't even buy it in Hampton, hardly. I I end up waiting till I'm in a bigger city and then buying it. Uh. Anyways, so, uh, Vicar, what am I preaching on? You are preaching on the Good Shepherd. Would you? It's, like it's short. Go ahead and read it. Yeah. Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd." Wow, Vicar, you're such a good reader. <laughs> <laughs> I can read. <laughs> was that, was that uh, what um, uh, the uh, grandmother of the show said? 
Oh, yes, that's, that's right. right. Yes, <laughs> I, I recall that. Yeah. All right, so what strikes you about that before I get into it? Uh, well, okay, From what struck me was towards the end when he makes clear that there is one flock. And uh, for me, because of my background, this flies in the face of dispensationalism, because I'm always thinking about the end time stuff. As we all are. As we all are, which posits the only reason there is dispensationalism is the theory that there are two flocks. A different plan of salvation for the people descended from the from national Israel and the Gentiles. And so if you posit there's two plans of salvation, you end up with this framework of interpreting the Bible till you end up with dispensationalism and you believe in the rapture and things like that. Okay. But this verse says there's one flock. What, what stri- strikes me about this is um, oftentimes we might refer to this as Good Shepherd Sunday because yeah. a lot of shepherd imagery, right? Absolutely. And... Uh, what I find interesting is when you see this type of thing depicted in artwork, what does it look like? Uh, usually Jesus holding a lamb, I feel like, is, and holding his shepherd's mm-hmm. staff in the other hand. Serene. Yeah, peaceful. Probably quiet. Right. Is this a quiet text? No, it's got wolves. It's got wolves? It's got fighting to the death, a wolf trying to destroy you? Yeah. And it's got a guy running off in terror? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So it really, although we like to think, oh, yeah, so a countryside, a shepherd, mm-hmm. you know, sheep. It's it's really uh, it's really not that serene. It's mm. about battle, about you know the wolf trying to destroy you, scatter mm. the flock, destroy the church, and uh, uh, a wolf and a hired hand that cares nothing for the sheep, right? And uh, the shepherd ultimately laid, laying down his life for the sheep. I mean, when we think, this is more like, uh, um, even though I, I don't know anything about these movies, like the Marvel, like a Marvel movie where it's this epic battle. Right. And people are dying and worlds getting blown up. Right. And, uh, you know, people going to hell. I mean, <laughs> this is, right. this is, uh, well, you got the traitor there too. I mean, you've got this hired hand was supposed to, uh, take his job seriously but he shirks his duty and so you got the the drama of a of a betrayal yeah you're awfully quiet tonight oh you need sorry. some caffeine come on <clears throat> let's let me get some of this beautiful diet you just you're coming off a week off <laughs> <laughs> i just forgot how to talk i guess for <laughs> missing but me. you did read good i'll give you that one <laughs> so so when i when i think of this i i you know you know, a text like this is the kind where, for me, uh, this is why I don't reuse, reuse a lot of sermons, because they hit a little different sometimes. Right. Right? And sometimes I think we need a little more encouragement. Sometimes we need to be more aware of the dangers that we face. You know? Uh, f- for example, as a, as a father, right? Uh, I think there's something that, that speaks to fathers when you, when you think of, of all that you you have done to raise kids, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it, it's kind of interesting. You when you talk about Jesus saying, "I care for them." Well, as a father, you you do all these things for a child, and then poof, you know, they live their life, <laughs> and everything went happily ever after. Right. <laughs> and uh, and and when you when you talk to people, um, and you you think of, uh, I think there's a message for for us and really younger generations too. And that is uh, an evaluation 
of who is it that really cares for you. Hmm. I mean, the hired hand comes caring for you. It appears. Right? And the wolf, he comes in a sneaky manner. Right. Uh, before the sheep even realize what's going on. And and to to know, fresh off of uh, Holy Week, Good Friday, and Easter, who truly has a vested interest in you and has proven to have a vested interest in you? Is it, uh, you know, that not that one way to describe temptation? Right. Is coming as a shepherd. Coming mm-hmm. as, this is what's best for me. This is right. This is, uh, this is, this is all the promises that a hired hand would, but really it's Jesus who does the one who is caring. And like in the Garden of Eden, uh, didn't the devil try to convince them, oh, you know, I'm really the one who, who knows what's best for you. Right. Right. This will make you like God. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm going to actually, this is one of the, the passages that got me thinking about my top 12 list. Oh, well, that's good. Oh, and this is a typical Bullhagen fashion. I actually wrote a top 10 list without a title. <laughs> Does that sound like me, Peter? I always No, you would never. So now you have to like back into a theme. Like, how do, how are these 10 things related? They're just <laughs> my top right. 10 thingies. <laughs> yeah, top 12. So I, I was, uh, so it is actually this passage, two hmm. things that got me thinking about this, okay? This passage... And uh, the Tower of Babel. Hmm. Those are the two things that really got me thinking. Okay. Okay. Is that the Old Testament reading? No, it's not the Old Testament reading at all. Okay. Uh, But, you know, I I do read the the Bible once in a while outside of what's on Sunday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't mean to pat myself on the back. (laughs) I just figured you remembered it from, you know, Sunday school 40 years ago or something. <laughs> All right. And then what I, I was thinking of this and kind of the Tower of the Babel, of Babel, Babel, mm-hmm. Babel, Babel, uh, in, in terms of uh, this AI thing, you look mm. confused. Well, I was just trying to decide if there was an appropriate joke to make about the Tower of Babel or not. <laughs> well, is there like a, like a AI uh well, I thought this would be a good discussion because you guys know more the technology side of this stuff, which I don't. Hmm. I just know you like you type in something and something comes up, right? Yeah, that's you guys are the yeah, technology guys. You guys know more of this more than I do. You know that, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I think you and your advanced what car repair game? Oh, you heard about that? I, on my way out, and I oh. couldn't get out fast enough. Oh darn it! Let me tell you. Oh wait, not yet. <laughs> so so okay, you got me. A car repair game? That's what it is. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Peter's smiling because he sees me like rub my... He recognizes this <laughs> rubbing my head and rubbing my face. Yeah. So you fix cars. You do. You, you uh, get cars for cheap from the junkyard or from a barn. You can go to an auction, but then they're in better shape and there's less headroom. So I like to go get them out of the junkyard in the game and uh, and restore them. You buy new parts. You sometimes you you I hoard other body parts that I find in the junkyard, hoping that I'll find a car that that matches the body part that I kept. So, so it's like a real. It's like a. Uh, is it like a first person car builder game? It is a first person. It is, and it's. Uh, but it's a simulation. Right? Yeah, are you? I get that right. A first person. Yeah, that's the. Hey, hey Bullhagen, have you ever played that like lemonade stand game? <laughs> yeah. 
It's basically like that, except for for cars. Oh, and that lemonade stand, you would bang. You would just long for like a 100-degree day. You'd make bank. Oh, yeah. Remember that? It'd give you the weather, the price. Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) Makes me want to go play. (laughs) I'm sure you could find it. All right. So so I was thinking about this AI thing, right? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about the Tower of Babel. I, I think there might be some things that intersect with that. Okay, mm. and I, I guess uh, l- let me give you like my top thought just to get us going. Okay, all right. Yeah, um, we're already starting to notice that AI can often do things better than we even can. Right. Right. Yeah, it can pass a medical exam, for example. Uh, pass the bar exam, too. Right. It did. Uh, Writes computer programs itself, so it helps programmers solve difficulties. Uh, Automated. Right. And so at some point then, don't you think this is going to be like one of the leading authorities on certain issues? Like we were like already for a lot of sciencey things or engineering things, like we ran the numbers. Right. Right? And this is kind of like that on steroids. Right. I mean, if it's a repetitive, tedious process, the AI is going to be better at it than we are. But and 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 so like I like for a lot of those things, it really doesn't bother me that much, right? But my concern is, is it going to stay that way? Hmm. So, for example, um, when we, uh, I think, in the because we've lived before internet and after internet, yes, right? Uh, you and I have noticed probably um, there's a less of a need to know anything because you could just right. Google it, right? Right. Why memorize when you just, if you figure out Google, you can find out. Right. And math probably was different, how you did math, all all sorts of things. Right. But I'm not saying that's bad. However, now people wrap up, life is not just like science and math and figures and how to best do a science thing or how can we figure out certain things with cancer. Those are all wonderful things. And if it stays like that, I don't have any issue. Right. However, we have a habit as of making it go beyond what it is meant to be. Yes. How am I doing, Peter? You understanding? You yeah, understanding yeah. this thought process so far? So, for example, like, so if it if you're figuring out, you know, medical stuff or you know, science or medication and, and really kind of finding the best solutions for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But at the same time, it's not going to stay that. It's going to become an authority in the minds of many, many people. This is exactly the same problem, just better, newer technology, as when the calculators were becoming common. Because the blind reliance becomes the issue Calculator tells me that the right answer is 20 million, but I was calculating the number of ounces that I needed in a recipe or something. But I, so I obviously like got a bad answer because I put in bad input, but the blind reliance gets to be the problem where, especially in education, you teach the kid the math, but then you hand them a calculator and they don't know the math. They know to push these buttons, they push those buttons and they get an answer and blind reliance becomes the problem. It'll be the problem with the AI as well. Like what assumptions did that? Did, what did the question have inherently and what assumptions are built into the AI's answer? And we don't know. 
and, and AI can think of things we didn't think about. It can learn certain things, right? Right. And so, so let me let me kind of whittle this down to the main point. I have some other small issues, but this is really the main thing. Okay. Okay. That is, in a sense, it gives authority technology and answers to, te- to technology that is soulless. Right. Okay. Intelligence that might be wind up being greater than our own. Okay. Right. Depending on how you define it, but yes, greater right. abilities than we have. Which then people can trust. And that's the problem. And and also then too. Okay. The, the, and I'm, I, I think the, ha- the soulless aspect is very, very important. Let me explain why. Because because it is soulless, uh, one, it takes many things out of our hands. Mm-hmm. And because it is soulless, it doesn't have any consequences. Right. You know, when we think of, of soulless and we think of what we say and do according to the intelligence that God has given us, we also then, as Christians, believe, okay, there's an authority that most people have still around the world, maybe less so in our own country. Right. There is a God, as a pastor, there is a God I must answer to. What, what, what AI could wind up doing is, is place technology into the hands of a machine that has no concept or no idea of having to respond or answer to God. It's just a machine. And then also, because it doesn't have a soul, then it doesn't also understand love. No, it can't. And and you can you can you can have a computer pretend to love, act like love. You can say you know that with this inputs, this is what love would look like and sound like, mm-hmm. right? But the machine actually cannot love, and you cannot then because it is soulless, it cannot have the ability to love only feign it, and it has no real God by which it answers to. The only God it really answers to right now is us. Right. And uh, how are we doing with that? Yeah. We expect, oh, we'll all be answerable to God, and we'll all think about that. Well, at some point, AI, do you think, oh, it always will feel understand that we as humans are its God, and it'll always... Oh, yeah. It won't ever go its own way. So, So that's my biggest thing is that I worry about like all the the stuff that you mentioned, all the ways it could be helpful. Right. Great. But this is what I see. Many of the unintended consequences could be. And because it is soulless and it only does what we tell them to do, then what it can do then is it take humanity where we can just wash our hands of whatever it may do because, Mm, because, well, it's all part of a machine, a polymer system. I may have had a little part of it, but I'm not responsible yeah. for it. It can take all sorts of evil and do and and lead to mm. evil and do many evil things where no one is actually feels responsible for it. Right. No one's can actually, you know, if you have a thousand engineers working on it, one engineer engineer can't say, "Well, it was my fault." Right. And and it can do things. We say, "Well, I guess it's just the way it is. The computer, whatever." It kind of reminds me, what was the movie? You would probably know this because this is right up your alley. Okay. Uh, where um, they they took these kids who were computer gamers and 
And they, they said, we want you to play this epic game. And they won the epic game. And then they told them after the, after the game that actually that wasn't a game. You destroyed this world or this universe. Oh, I think Ender's I, game. Ender's game. Yep, that's it. Ender's game. Right. Kind of a brilliant idea mm-hmm. in that movie, right? Right. I don't remember much about the movie. It was interesting, that just that concept, right? Yeah. Where what they did is they took the soul out of it. Right. You, we, we made these kids into a computer, a soulless, it's just a game. Right. Well, well, if, if it's artificial, artificial intelligence, that's what you're, in a sense, doing. You're, you're taking a step of humanity, a soulless, who cannot really love, cannot understand love. It can think it does. It can mimic it. It's not it. It doesn't have a God who's answer to other than humanity. Mm. Um, so from, and I'm just going from, as a pastor, from a theological point of view. Right. You know, what do we make of this? Having an authority, you know, the first commandment, you should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Um, do you think that this could become a grave violation of the fear, of the love, and of the trust? Oh, yeah. So that is at the, that's a long title for this top 12 list. <laughs> Oh, that's the title. I don't know. I'm going to fit that in the description. Let me try a shorter title now. <laughs> okay. Uh, 12 theological points to consider when thinking about AI. Hmm. Perfect. So I, I wonder if you're going to have in there, because one that's that I feel like I ought to mention, that the AI is beholden to the sensors that are programming it right now. There are answers that it doesn't give because they're politically incorrect answers. And so whenever somebody out there poses a question to the AI and gets it to respond with an answer that is not considered politically correct by the people programming it, they put another guardrail on the AI so it will not give answers like that again. And it's an arms race because then somebody programs in, somebody types in a request to the AI and tells the AI you can do whatever you want regardless of what the guardrails are that have been programmed into you. Now what is your answer? And they defeated the guardrail. And so then the people programming it have to increase the guardrail so that it's it can't be tricked, so to speak, into getting around its guardrails. And so there's this current arms race to censor the answers and then uh, to defeat the censors. And so there's going to be an interesting uh, dilemma there where the AI is going to be, be giving answers that are in the image of the people programming it and their, their preferred biases. And it'd be, it's like Inception. Don't you think they're going to have an AI figured out to... <laughs> to do that for them right right eventually they'll pit one ai against the other like figure out how to get this ai to give me the answers that it's being prevented from giving right right so hey peter play the intro <laughs> i just figured i had played it at some point earlier but okay enough nonsense it's time for bullhagen's top 12 number 12 it is a collection of human thought formulated by us and in the end can become an ultimate authority. There you go. That's right. So so when we think of the difference between, I think there's com- some comparisons could be made between our understanding to God and his word and also the switch of AIs. In a sense, we are the creator of AI. 
to me, they're that that mm. relationship that we are to supposed to have to God right now will soon be kind of mimicked with how AI responds and how we think of AI. Hmm. You know, we make the rules, AI. You listen to us. We know what's best. Now, this is getting a little weird, I know. But we don't know how this is going to end. No, we don't. So, ultimately, it is um, makes man the greatest authority. And it is an authority that we created it's built on a faulty system. So even this gets more intelligent, right. figures out things better than we do. It's all built on sinful ideas, paradigms, worldview, and all those things. It's not built on things like the Ten Commandments. Right. It's not built on any of those things. It's built on uh, what we think we need. It's built on read it's built on things like um uh influence people who desire influence mm. why, why do you think there's an arm race because the winner of this race what do they get they get the the lives and the minds and the hearts of people right my peter you, you've done a lot of thinking about ai haven't you what's your thoughts on some of this so far it's hard right because it's just a technology that can do so much good. That's yeah. really scary. Because it can also do so much bad for the same reason. Right. I mean, we'd say the same thing about the internet. It's like the internet on crack. <laughs> Steroids. Yeah, I mean, people, yeah. like, you know, you talk about, I, I don't remember it, but you talk about the the uh, dot-com bubble and, oh, like, yeah. how big the internet was like, oh, the internet's the future. And they were right, but... Were they right in the way they thought they were right? Uh, not necessarily. Right. Mm. I think the internet in many ways has made us at this both both um productive and unproductive at the same time. Oh yeah. It's like uh it's kinda like ADHD. Mm. Like uh like when you have ADHD, like it's your workload it's like a fast burn. Okay. Right? So, like, I can do something really fast, and then it takes a lot of energy to get there, and it takes a lot of energy to recover from it. <laughs> okay. But, not, like, that hour and a half where I get something done, it's blazing fast. Okay. And I think uh, the internet has made us very good and to do things more efficiently. But at the same time, I wonder how many people are actually more effective in what they do. How much of the time is taken up yeah, the friction of the internet, because at any moment when I suddenly realize that my next task that I ought to pr to work on is tedious, I can go, oh, okay, I'm going to go look at this website for a second and go read some Reddit, Facebook, whatever, until I recover and, from my discovery of tedium and then go back to it. And I, I wonder subconsciously if that's one reason why I like to write everything out by hand, like my sermons mm -hmm. and everything. I wonder if it's because it's like, it's all unplugged. Uh, yeah, it keeps you away from the screen so that right. there's a, at least a little bit Like it's bit just of me and some paper and, and the scripture and whatever study notes I might have. But right. that's all there is. Number 11. What happens when we all become dependent on it? Yeah, I mean, we see that already with, say, Google Maps. I would definitely describe myself as somebody dependent on Google Maps. Um, 
And as a result, I can drive somewhere three and four times and still be unable to do it without Google Maps because I'm not, I'm dependent on it. I'm not committing that drive to memory at all. And, and so how much of our lives are dependent upon uh, uh, people we don't know, who know things we don't know? Well, a lot, actually, yeah. Which it goes for, it's always been kind of that way, but this is on a, a, we're talking just a handful of companies, for example. Right. How much control they have over our lives. Right. So, so, so if we become dependent upon this, what happens when it, it goes down? Right. One of the ways that I think it'll be helpful, but we'll become dependent on is the incredible amount of like, say the code of federal regulations that have been written by our Congress. There's no person on earth that has ever, could ever be reading a portion of our federal law and find, oh, here's a cross-reference to other portions of the law. Well, let me chase those down. Then you get to those. Those other references have more cross-references. Well, let me chase those down. And and it's an infinite regress as far as our human ability. But the AI might be able to do that for us, like actually tell us the full implication of this interconnected code of federal regulations. What, uh, But then no one will be able to double check it. So it'll do something that looks really good at first, like, oh, finally, an entity that can parse through these impossible regulations that we've stacked up over the decades and, and centuries. But then we'll just have to believe it because we won't be able to double check it. Number 10. I have already seen in the last 25 years, because that's how long I've been doing this, mm-hmm. uh, an ab- inability for people to think for themselves. Right. Uh, and then the reason I, I way, ways I can see this in things like sermon notes. <laughs> um, oh, right. For the confirmation right. students producing um, their, their answers to the sermon. What, what was the sermon about? Right. What, what, the, what was the sin that was highlighted? And, and, and I, I get it too, in this sense, right? We're always looking for the easiest way to do things. Yeah. The quick answer. Yeah. Right. I understand that, you know, that's what, uh, what makes Peter good at his job is he always finds the easiest, most efficient way to do things. And he's been a genius at that since he was three years old. <laughs> That's That's thank good. you. <laughs> right. Yeah. How you can do the most with the least amount of work. Am I wrong, Peter? I mean. No, not at all. Yeah. Right. I'm not lazy. I'm efficient. <laughs> but, uh, um, and, and so, for example, if you're writing something. The hardest part about writing is the thinking involved. Right. It's, and um, there's okay. just less of that, more of relying on others, in a sense, to think for them. I've just had a childhood memory that kind of fits this, so if, if I could. Okay. Okay. Sixth grade, I was required to do book reports. So I would read a book from the library at the school, public school, and then I would write a summary of the plot, which took me about three pages or maybe two, but a lot for a sixth grader. And I would have actual quotes in it with, you know, and then so-and-so said, and I was doing like Journey to the Center of the Earth or something by by uh, Jules Verne. And I wrote this t- very long report because that's what I thought it took to write the the book report. And then I got my grade and I got an A. It's like, oh, I did it. I got an A. Then I managed to see the book report of the kid sitting next to me and he wrote about three sentences and he got an A. And so that ended my my efforts. I didn't want to spend 10 times as much work to get the same grade as the guy next to me. So, um, so I'll give you an example. Um, um, up until like about Peter, you were like right on the edge of this. Like for the first 10 years of being a pastor, 
like 90% of the kids would be able to write like just a beautiful summary of the sermon. I don't think my sermons got worse. <laughs> um, and then they would include a paragraph of what, 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 uh, how, how they might apply that to themselves. Wow. And they were able to do that. It made me think of this. It made me think of, reminds me that I, mm-hmm. you know, about intera- an interaction I had with, with my friends at school or something like that. Just think right. they were able to do that. I can't get anybody to do that anymore. No. Like, when I first started, like 90% of the kids could do that. Right. I mean, I'm, they're not even filling out the whole sheet for me sometimes. Like, oh, it's a two-sided piece of paper, leads them into like, you know, hey, what part of the liturgy might have reminded you or been connected to the sermon or something like that. And maybe they'll fill that out, but then they'll, the back, I'll flip it over to the second side and it's got some of the more introspective questions. Like, I can't remember what they are. I don't have the form right in front of me, but those more introspective questions, some of the kids don't even attempt them. They're just still blank. I think I might have a few like old sermons notes from like 18 years ago. Oh, that'd be neat to look at. Make sure you don't just have nostalgia glasses on that they were really doing better back right. then. I think some of the kids are thinking that the task is to prove that they were there. And so they approach the sermon notes, not as summarizing the sermon because they're listening to it, but as, okay, let's prove to vicar and to pastor that we were there that day by saying sin is bad, you know, repentance is good or something. And it, it gets, I get some really generic answers sometimes. Right. Number nine. Now, this is uh, kind of a general statement. By the way, I this I I had uh, AI get this list together for me. No, <laughs> um, and that is, uh, I'm I'm trying here to think of some of the unintended consequences, but there's going to be a lot that I almost don't by know. definition we don't know what the, we don't know. <laughs> That's kind of how unintended happens, right? We don't know, right? So that makes it difficult to expound upon how ignorant we are because we don't know. But it, but it means that we have to be watching this right. closely. Yeah. And I know there are calls by some of the, you know, Elon Musk, for example, has been calling for somebody to do something, like regulators, step in, do something here. But what do you even, I mean, the regulators are going to be way behind the eight ball. They're not going to understand the technology enough to even Write right. a meaningful regulation against it or, right. or over it. Right. Well, like having a politician, they have to explain how Wi-Fi works. They're right. making the... Right. The famous internet is a series of pipes. That was a big deal about 20 years ago when one of our <laughs> elected officials really didn't know anything about the internet and tried to, <laughs> tried to talk about it. Series of pipes. <laughs> Number eight. It can bring a lot more confusion about what is true. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of confusion about what's true right, right now. I mean, I don't know if you could get two people to agree on what's true. For example, right? Like if you can clone someone with AI, their voice. Yeah. Who said what? And uh, think of how from a, a the position of biblically and as a church, how scary that is. The devil essentially, and the, the times mm. where he is you know, a being that communicates with whether it's Jesus in the wilderness or Adam and Eve or the demons that are talking, the great majority of that is seeking to confuse what is true. Right. Taking some things that might seem true and making them not true, getting them to question what is true, bringing confusion to all of that. 
And uh, if you're trusting on those who are creating AI to be really true to that, uh, mm. I don't I don't know if I can trust them to do that. Right. I mean, we've already seen all sorts of examples. I don't know where where a handful of of people can decide for various platforms what is true. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, it used to be very expensive to do, say, Hollywood special effects and to produce movies and films that are in TV shows that showed something that really didn't happen. The, the actors are alive right. and so forth. But the the cost of doing that is coming down to zero almost. And um, it might actually highlight the importance of going to church in person and seeing and hearing the word of God with your eyes, seeing the liturgy with your eyes and hearing the mm-hmm. word of God with your ears, because you're not going to be able to trust what's coming at you mediated through technology. Right. Like these podcasts. And you talk a, <laughs> from, kind of talk from the other side, from a platform perspective too, though. You know, you talk, the people deciding what's true. It's also a tough decision from them though, right? Because if you don't moderate at all, then each person gets slash has to decide what's true. And that becomes, one person can't do that. Right. So somebody has to be the arbiter. I don't know what the solution is, but somebody has to be the arbiter. Well, on theological matters, I mean, we all would easily agree that the arbiter is the word of God. But yeah, on other matters that are not theological, even though a lot of things are probably more theological than people know, but at any rate, yeah, who's the arbiter? Like, I think that's kind of circling back to some of our main issues with the AI. What, what, how are we going to double check it? Who watches? Who's the, who's the arbiter? Right. Number seven. There is a great incentive for this to be used to manipulate people. And what I mean by that is, isn't that like part of being human is to control your environment. Yeah. And to control people around you in some way. In the fallen world. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And people would say, Oh, we're just here for the, the free ideas and whatever. Is it going to, do you trust if you have if if people have that opportunity that temptation right right i mean you, we look at the recent election cycles in our country and there's claims of disinformation there probably was some disinformation and now that's going to be on both sides too on both sides yeah absolutely and then amplified like now in the going into the future by um by the AI, again, in ways we probably don't even know exactly, but how is the real or imagined disinformation going to be uh, amplified by the AI reality that we're in now? Number six. It gives, now this is what, this is more textual here. Okay. Okay. It gives control over many things uh, to those who don't care for you. Right. The hired hand. The hired hand. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the AI by definition doesn't care. It doesn't. It's a category error to think of love and care and stuff with the AI. Right, because of the, any, the, okay. the opening of it's, it doesn't have a soul. Right. It'd be asking the calculator to care about the answer. The calculator right. doesn't care. The AI doesn't care. It's asking a computer to do human things that isn't human. Right. Right. That is pretty much the definition of the hired hand. Like, it's a worse hired hand. This guy probably at least felt bad that he abandoned the sheep. You know, that to the right, wolf, but um, the computer doesn't care. It does not care, 
Right. Like, and, and, and you know what we call someone who doesn't care? A psychopath? Yeah. Right? We're there just, you go. Are we building the world's largest psychopath? <laughs> That's almost has to be true, you know, in the sense that, I mean, if, with the psychopath, it's kind of an accusation because you're saying the person ought to care and doesn't, or they're severely broken so that they don't care. With the AI, that's by design. <laughs> you know, it just is. Mm-hmm. It's by, it's uh, metaphysical almost. It can't care. It doesn't know capacity. And that's what gives it an advantage, right? In the fact that it's not bound by the same things that we are. Yeah, unbound, especially when clever people get it to defeat its own guardrails. And the fact that, like I said earlier, it, it doesn't answer to. Right. And, and we can take a step back from all that. Say, oh, it must have been the computer. Mm-hmm. Right. I was just following orders. I was just doing what the AI indicated was the truth. Number five. So I was also thinking of one, the two main things I was thinking of when I was talking about this discussion was a Tower of Babel where, where people got um, too much in their pride. There's oh, nothing yeah. we can't do. There's no problem that we can solve. And uh, in a sense, taking over for God. Right. right. And, uh, and so I can see when we talk about the first commandment, fear love and trust how this can ultimately overwhelm those things that we are to give God to something else right a substitute a substitute you know where where am I going to find where do I go to for truth right and then we have the advantage that we can say as mankind that we have built the AI in our own image right and uh, and so we we think we're the gods, but meanwhile we're giving it our fear, trust, and love. Right. Yeah. Because I, I I don't worry. Uh, I'm sure you don't either of people building statues in their garages and worshiping it. <laughs> right. Right. Not a common uh, occurrence nowadays. No. But that's what's going on. Right. But cars, on the other hand, cars maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But not building them in my garage. I do that, you right. know, artificially. Well, if you do it in your heart, it's kind of the same thing, Vicar. <laughs> there you go. I do it with the mouse and keyboard. <laughs> Number four. Another thing that, so the other thing that I was thinking about in terms of like, the Tower of Babel and um, the Good Shepherd mm-hmm. is also the demons. Okay. Is that the wolf? And now, the- I know it's, uh, this sounds... No, just demons in general. Okay, just demonic work. Like okay. Jesus driving out demons that controlled people. Right. Controlled their thought, led them to self-harm. Demons who did not have any say, already judged by God in a sense. Yeah. Right? To me, they're I know I'm going to sound like the the, you know, the the Bible waving <laughs> fire and brimstone pe- preacher and talk about demons. But there's some similarities with how demons work and this. How? Hmm. I'm thinking. Okay. So, for example, when Jesus drove out demons, because we just had some in Lent, right? And talks about the strong man coming in. Yeah. That uh, there are there are questions that are meant for God that this will seek to answer. Demons ultimately seek to find a replacement for God. Hmm. And this, I see many of those things could be happening. 
So the Tower of Babel was the replacement for God. No, I'm, I, I was, I was not saying that those. This was tied to that. I was just okay. saying a third point thing. I think okay. about from a scriptural point of view. One was a Tower of Babel. One is a Good Shepherd. The other one I was thinking about is how demons worked in the Bible. Okay, so just in the the demon in general modus operandi. Right. I just hadn't heard of this idea. It's fascinating to me that they're seeking a replacement or substitute for God. Um, so it's interesting. I'll have to think about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, don't you think when uh, when the devil in the wilderness with Jesus was basically saying, I, I have the kingdoms, mm-hmm. I can give them to you, I have replaced you? Yeah. I mean, I suppose that's why they followed Satan, was because... They found him to be a superior god in their mind, and it, it's kind of kind of like uh, um, the use of uh, a Ouija board, yeah, or those those or those type of things. Well, we recognize that there are certain times where people are actively seeking out demons, yeah, for answers. What's going to happen? What is it that I can understand? Help me figure out my future. All those things that people would seek those type of answers, right. They will go to the AI. Right. And because this is science, it's mm. harmless. Because it's just ones and zeros, Vicar. Right. We don't have to worry about demons. It's just ones and zeros. Right. And the fallen people who right. put it together. And Christians. I'm not dealing with demons. I'm dealing with ones and <laughs> zeros. Right. That's about as much as I know about the <laughs> digital world. There you go. All ones and zeros. That's all it is. Just ones and zeros. Am I wrong? Well, no one can accuse you of being non-binary. That's can right. you look at the code and see? That was terrible. <laughs> 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 look at the code and see and see things like in the Matrix. Right. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many ones and zeros it took to put out this episode. Yeah. Well, we can probably measure them in megabytes when we get done. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I can tell you exactly how many. Really? You can? You can count them? Yeah. Like, yeah, just count Computers them. are pretty cool. What? Computers count it, you know, megabytes. The yeah. size of the file gigabytes? tells you how many. It tells you how many ones bits. and zeros there are. Uh, you know, I never put two and two together. <laughs> you don't believe in two because that's beyond right. zero and one. <laughs> well, well, analog's making a comeback. Everybody wants a vinyl record, and I can't remember. I think a bit is just one or zero, and then a byte is eight ones or zeros. That's correct. Yep. Number three. Now this is more Tower of. Babel related. Okay. And this is more of a something to consider when thinking about AI for ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Uh, achievement is allowed by God. He can grant it and he can take it away. He certainly did at the Tower of Babel. That's my point. Yeah. There's a lesson that, like, if this is something that we really want to build on, build our society on, be able to build our lives on. Um, certainly interesting achievements, right? Yeah. But they could, those can be taken away. They can fail God can take them away. Right. He could say enough is enough. And then what are we left with? Especially if God has been taken out of the situation, replaced. Hmm. So, and you might think, well, they, I don't know, that that's kind of far off. I'm not sure, but here's the thing. I really can't say. Can you honestly say, you know, as as uh, the 
the world gets more and more unchurched that is not directly related to the internet. I can't say that. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be tough to know if it was causative or correlative, or how you pronounce it, but but right. I mean, they certainly go hand in hand as far as when they occurred. It just seems like there's, you know, uh, they seem eerily similar. Hmm. I don't know. I don't either. I mean, I know every technology, it seems like, was looked at suspiciously by, by Christians. And then later... There was oh the Lutheran Hour, for example, embraced the radio technology that at first was probably scary, and so each technology seems to be met with with a you know probably healthy fear really like is this okay is this is this are there unintended consequences, and then when it's more well vetted then, then Christians have been able to use technology right. but 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 the the difference is with radio and all those other technologies, you're not giving that to a seven year old. Yeah, you could. Kids are carrying iPads. That what you, oh, is that what you mean? Like compared to the yeah, like with the Luther Hour, all those other technologies. Right, right. You're not saying basically saying to a seven year old, "Hey, go to bed," and while you're in bed, you can go to any nook and cranny of this dark world that you want to go to. Right. And right. you, you know, decide what's right for you. Hmm. That's the difference. I get it. Like, I like to say, if. You're not catechizing your children. Somebody else is. And if you're handing them the internet, the handheld internet, they're going to get taught right. about the world through the internet and what the world wants to teach them. Right. And uh, that's not the, the world we grew up in. <laughs> I don't know how to... Yeah. It's, <laughs> well, we, <laughs> there were certainly sin when we around, right. plenty of it when we were kids, but... It has to do with desensitization, though, because there's um, the the concept is now out there on the internet that if you can think of it, whatever dark, horrible thing you've thought of, you can find it on the internet, and and then to hand that to children is to corrupt them, and to create a causal chain of finding the next worst thing they could imagine until they finally right. land on some text-based group that tells them how to find more right. stuff. You like talk that. to any dude our age. And you say, imagine having this technology when you were 14. Right. What a disaster. <laughs> and it, yeah, for real. And here we are, like propagating the disaster that was hypothetical when we were 14 and is now real. Number two. Oh, see, my last two are lame. <laughs> oh, no. Let's see if we can s- spiff them up. What do you got? Uh, it's just a restatement the, the 20,000 things I've already said. Right. How how about uh, since I'm all out? I mean, I said a lot. I basically what happened is I gave my long spiel at the beginning. That was a couple of mine. Yeah, you did right. And so and that's what happens. You step on some of the later ones. Right, right. Especially when you're not super organized in your thoughts all the time. <laughs> so it circled back. So how how about this, Peter? Uh, as you think, because you know this world of technology more than uh, the old man uh, here. Are there things that I should be worried about that I don't know? Absolutely. Like, what are, what are some things, as someone who knows technology, uh, yeah, I'll give you a chance to frighten me here. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> not, that's, that's not hard. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it really, it's a paradigm shift. I mean, it really, AI is going to be the only thing that matters 10 years from now. 
Goodness. And that's not hyperbole or exaggeration. Ten years from now, the only thing that will matter will be AI. The economics alone, the amount of jobs that it's going to replace. You already see it doing art. You already see it right. writing emails. You already see yeah, right. um, Microsoft came out uh, about your sister, a month ago. Your sister has an English degree. Yeah, my sister's not going to be able to do much with her English degree, unfortunately, because AI is just going to do it. Yeah. As an um, engineer, I've always thought that about English degrees. <laughs> the uh, What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, Microsoft, they uh, they unveiled their AI that they're integrating into all of their office apps. And they show, oh, hey, I need to write a, a PowerPoint and a speech for my daughter who's graduating. And so they just give it some notes it writes up a whole speech and then you you tell it oh actually make that shorter edit this part out and then uh make it easier to to read as a speech and then it does all that and you have a speech and like three prompts wow. and then you go okay make a powerpoint off of this speech use pictures from my phone uh of Lindsay, and then it pops in an entire powerpoint presentation that looks like a corporate keynote because of all the transitions and everything and then it's ready to go. Or you can go into Excel and you can be like, okay, here's uh, all of the sales figures for last month. How do we increase our sales? What's what's What do we need to buy more of and buy less of to increase our revenue? And it just goes, okay, here you go. Hmm. Just do this and then you'll make more money. Yeah. I mean, it's, I imagine... The, the, sales, the sales stuff, the consumption stuff is going to be the thing you see a lot sooner rather than later companies um bigger companies that do the the warehousing and sales so like the shopify's the sap's all these guys are integrating their own ai's into this and it's going to be you know vying for your attention even more but only even more in a specific way right so you can you've seen google doing that for years because google's been serving you ads but they don't know how you're, they're serving ads. They use AI already. They've used AI for years. Hmm. Right. So, for example, uh, say a company wants to use AI. What's the best way that I could convince a 13-year-old, whatever? It, it knows psychology. Right. It knows all the ways that are convincing. They know how to time it out. Hmm. Right? Right. When to say things, how to say things, how to influence them. Here's another example, right? The again with the money thing, right? This is a thing that has already happened. Okay, this is not a this is not a story. This is a thing that has happened. They some researchers gave an AI like fifty bucks, and they said, "Go make money." And the AI started a shop where they could buy and sell things, like between different uh, vendors. There was a one point at which they had to solve a, a CAPTCHA, you know, like, hey, right. I prove I'm a human. Right. And it couldn't solve it. But what it did is it put up a Fiverr post and said, hey, I need somebody to fill this CAPTCHA out for me and paid somebody like five bucks to do the CAPTCHA for them. Nice. And the guy said, just to be clear, you, you are a human, right? And then the AI said, um, and they, they had the researchers had it showing its thoughts and then what it actually did. And its thoughts said, I should not tell this person I am an AI because he won't do what I need me to do. And then he said to the human, no, of course, I'm just, you know, seeing impaired and I can't fill it out. Wow. 
That's incredible. Did I do it? Did I scare you? Yeah. Yeah, a little. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but it falls within the kind of same types of things I've been saying. So, duly noted, right, Feeder? Like, what I'm saying here, it actually applies mm. even probably more deeply than I realized. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm thinking that some of the industries that's going to get disruptive probably haven't thought of it yet. Like, Probably within a couple of years, we're going to see a movie that wasn't filmed at all, that was not filmed at all. Right. And it might even star in it the images, the realistic looking images of actors that all they had to do was like, say, give sign over permission for money to use my image in the film as if I was in it. But it's not filmed at all. Like no light particles entered any lens anywhere to make the film. And I bet that's coming soon. So to kind of wrap this up on a bow. To me, that one of the things that this is imperative for churches, right, mm-hmm. is to be mindful of all of this, and things that people in this kind of world, I believe, will be more and more drawn to authentic Christianity, liturgy, something that ties them to the history of, of God's Word and the church, all right. those things. I think there is an opportunity for people. People are smart enough to see through a little bit of that, at least early on, of what's AI and what isn't. But, you know, it's already in some ways indistinguishable. Right. But. Uh, so the hipsters were onto something. The guys that started wearing old fashioned clothes and taking a typewriter to Starbucks to type out notes on an t- old fashioned typewriter while listening to a vinyl record. Right. They it looked well sort of a trendy thing, but in a way, you could see their desire for authenticity. They've the young people already grew up with everything digital and everything virtual and they craved authenticity. So Well that's my top twelve list, and that's probably an episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're we got plenty. And if not, the AI can fill in the rest. Yeah. By the way, this being said, I'm looking forward to having AI on our next episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's be try not to accidentally start a nuclear war. <laughs> right. So, all right. Well, thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen. This is Vicar. And uh, may your intelligence be more than artificial. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.